Hey guys, before we jump in, I want to thank my friends over at Samaritan Ministries for sponsoring today's episode. As dads, we know that a medical need can hit our family at any time. So when life happens, there are over 280,000 Samaritan members who will care for you spiritually and financially when you have a medical need, all without the use of insurance. A broken bone, cancer, your wife shares the good news that she's pregnant. You have control over your healthcare choices. You choose your doctor and treatment, which can include therapeutic massage and non-conventional treatments. Your medical bills are sent to Samaritan Ministries. They help you get a fair price, and then they notify members who will pray for you and send you money to help you pay your shareable bills. Healthcare sharing is biblical. As members live out Galatians 6.2, which says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And it's affordable with a sharing program for different budgets. Every month, Samaritan members send their share amount directly to another member. The cost for a family of two or more ranges from $155 to $600 a month, depending on the program selected, age, and membership size. Samaritan members are Christians who agree to a common statement of faith and strive to live a healthy lifestyle. Their caring and knowledgeable staff is there to pray with you and guide you through every step of the sharing process. As a Samaritan member, you'll find comfort and support that ministers to all the aspects of your family's healthcare needs, spiritual, emotional, physical, and financial. You can become a member any time of the year, even today. Visit SamaritanMinistries.org slash DadTired to see which sharing program is right for you. How's it going, guys? Welcome back to the Dad Tired Podcast. I'm your host, Jared Lopes. Join me every Monday as we dive into what it looks like to be men who fall in love with Jesus and help our families do the same. You can learn more about our books, resources, conferences, and even online community by going to dadtired.com. Let's dive into today's episode. Hey, guys. Uh, Jared here from Dad Tired. If you're brand new, welcome. Glad that you're here, man. Um, man, just want to say thank you to those of you who have been giving the last couple weeks. Um, every year, at the end of the year, we do a big campaign and push to try to raise the funds that we need for the next year. And so we're trying to raise $20,000 for 2021. And uh, we, we're over halfway there because of your guys' generosity. So for those of you that have given in that way, just want to say a huge thank you. Um, if you want to give, if you haven't given and you want to give, um, again, we're about halfway to our goal. We've got a couple weeks left in the year. And so just praying that God shows up and he's faithful and we totally trust God for whatever God's going to do. Um, but if you want to give to that and be part of that, you can go to dadtire.com forward slash give and, um, and make a contribution there. All of those are tax deductible. So if you're trying to save a little bit on your taxes, that is a good opportunity to do that while supporting the ministry. So thanks man for doing that. Um, we're also about to start our January cohort and for our family leadership program. So this is my way of getting to know you really walking alongside of you the best that I can getting to know you and your wife's name, your kid's name. I pray for these guys specifically every morning I get up and I pray over the guys in the cohort. We do live trainings every month. So, uh, you go through a 30 day kind of intensive training. And, uh, again, you'll, we talk to each other and, and you, you work with the other guys in your cohort during that. But then every month after that, we do live trainings. And all of this is just geared towards how to help you step up as the spiritual leader of your home and really feel confident that you've got the tools that you need to do that well. So if you want to be part of that, um, we would love to have you be part of that. You can go to dadtire.com forward slash lead, L-E-A-D, lead. And you can put your name on the wait list. 
And, uh, and then as soon as spots open up for January, you can jump in. We only let 30 guys in a month. We do that on purpose to keep the cohort small and so that I can stay engaged with all the guys. So we'd love to have you be part of that. Uh, dude, last podcast of 2020, which is just, uh, if you don't, if you're not living your life, uh, with a sense of like deep urgency, um, Dude, just like stop for a minute and and just like think about how fast this year went. How crazy. Like it was crazy and hard and chaotic and mysterious and so many things were unstable in 2020. And yet it just again, like all other years just flew by. And uh, and then dude, just think about how many more of those you have left um, at best, at best, how many more of those you have left uh, this morning. I was watching the news with my wife and there was this story on the news about how this is not like a super religious story uh, in many ways. So I, <laughs> I apologize in advance. Don't judge me. But uh, there was a story on the news where this dad got diagnosed with cancer and he had a son who was a teenager, early teens. I think he was, I don't remember how old he was, but early teenager. And he knew he was going to die. And so he told his daughter, uh, he said, he he gave his daughter a $10 bill. You may have heard the story. It was kind of all over the news today. He gave his daughter $10 and he said, Hey, I want to buy my son his first drink when he turns 21. So can you make sure, can you save this and buy him his first beer uh, when he turns 21? And so the news showed it because that kid uh, just turned 21 this year and he didn't know that it, his dad did this. And his, his daughter or his sister, this boy's sister gave him the $10 and said, Hey, dad gave me this to, uh, get you your first beer. And I'm watching the story on the news and I'm literally crying. Like I'm, I'm just crying, not bigger than the beer. Uh, and I think you guys get this as a dad, but bigger than the beer is just the fact that dude, life is so, so short, man. I just can't, they started showing like old pictures of him with his son, uh, when his son was probably three or four and they're holding hands. And I'm just like, even as I'm thinking about it right now, I'm getting like trying to fight back tears. Cause I, I hate that kind of stuff, dude. It just, ugh. It wrecks me every time, man. Life is so short. I didn't even mean to talk about this, but I talk about this every podcast because it's so important, dude. Life is so, so short. Uh, as a kind of weird, uh, not weird, but funny, fun side note to that story, Budweiser heard about it because I guess the dad's, uh, the dad who ended up dying, his favorite beer was Bud Budweiser. And so Budweiser heard about this because the son, his first beer that he bought with his dad's money, that $10 was a Bud Light or something. And, uh, and so they ended up sending him a couple cases of beer and said, we want to have the next few on us. So <laughs> again, that's not really like a Christian story. I apologize. Some of you guys are going to hear that and be like, ah, cancel Jared and, uh, you know, make all your comments. But for the rest of you reasonable people, uh, who have emotions and a soul, I think you'll get the heartbeat of that story is pretty impactful and life is short. <laughs> so, uh, dude, I want to dive into the last thing uh, that we could talk about for the end of the year. This is something that's been on my heart um, for a while now. And uh, anyway, let's just dive into it. So I'm reading this book called Culture Code. If you haven't read it, you need to read it. The reason I started reading it was because my friend Jeff Bethke, if you haven't checked out his stuff, you should. He's a, he's a super talented guy with tons of wisdom, but uh, he's a friend of mine and he recommended, somebody asked him, what is your favorite parenting book? And he said, Culture Code. And I remember I had had Culture Code on my Audible like wish list, and I I'm like that's not a parenting book, 
And so I went back and I reread the description. I'm like, that's not a parenting book. What are you talking about? And Jeff said, like, he like just straight up said, it's not a parenting book. I know it's not a parenting book, but if you read it through the lens of parenting, it'll be a game changer. So I did. I, I listened to the book. I like to listen to books on either Blinkist or if I like it on Blinkist, I'll, I'll jump in on, uh, on Audible. But I, by the way, we have, anyway, we have sponsorships with both of those. Uh, that wasn't supposed to be a sponsorship plug, but we have sponsorships with both of those. Um, but I've downloaded the book on Audible, and uh, so I, I listened to the whole thing. And dude, it's really, really fascinating. What the author essentially does, and I promise you, this is going to make sense for today's episode. But what the author essentially does is he looks at the most successful organizations in the world, uh, and then he tries to decide what made these organizations successful. What was their culture like? that set them up for success. And really the argument he makes is we look at very successful organizations and we just say, ah, they were kind of meant to be successful, whether that's a sports team, you know, like a franchise that has just gone on to win championship after championship or a business or a movie making company that just keeps putting out hit after hit or whatever it is, like all these kind of dynasties, whether again, business sports, whatever genre they're in, They just are constantly successful. He talks about the Navy SEALs, all these organizations that have high success rates. What was it about their culture that made them different? And and when you again, when you look through that, when you like read the book through the lens of uh, family, and specifically as your role as a dad, you start to pick out, okay, my family is a culture. My family is like this organization that I'm trying to lead well. And so what does it look like for me to implement some of these things? so that we can have a successful family culture. And, uh, and it's real, dude, it's, it's incredibly fascinating. I'm not trying to do like a book report on this. I'm going to give you some very practical stuff when it comes to leading your family. So if you don't want to read the book, that's okay. Um, I'm going to give you some practical stuff here, but I, the reason I bring this up is because I think we look at some families who are thriving, right? You may see these people in your church or in your community and you're just like, dude, they just do family really, really well. Like how are they, how's that dude such a good dad? Or how's that family just such a good family? How are their kids obedient? And why, why sometimes have you ever had this happen where you like, you see other kids being obedient and you just want to like spank your kids for no reason. <laughs> just like, dude, I'm looking at your kids and I just want to like go home and ground my kids or like spank them or something that, that again, I'm trying not. <laughs> Oh, dude, I'm reading so many books about like this cancel culture. So I just keep feeling like everything I'm going to say is just I'm walking on eggshells. I'm going to get canceled and I'm just starting to not care. Anyway, I don't spank my kids anymore. Uh, That's a whole we did a whole episode on this a long time ago. You can go back and listen to it to find it on your own. The point is, uh, sometimes you see families that are thriving and you're like, man, how did they get there? How did they get to the point where they're thriving and they're just doing so well? And you just kind of think, well, I I mean, they're just different. They're different than me. That's, that'll never be our family. We're not really built that way. We're built differently. They must be more type A than I am. Uh, or God gave them some skills they didn't give me. And that's just, that's it. That, you know, that's, that's the truth is they're a better family than we are. And that's kind of, that's God gave them good kids and didn't give us good kids. And, or maybe their kids are more obedient or they, they have a more uh, rigid or disciplined lifestyle. And so they've been able to figure it out, but we can't. And dude, that's just simply not true. Um, God desires you to lead your family well, to be intentional, to have a thriving family. And I fully believe this. I fully believe that God can and will equip you to do that. If you want that, like if it's a desire of your heart, which dude, if you're listening to this podcast, 
I just have this gut feeling that you probably do want to be a better leader of your home. And, uh, and if you do, I just, I, I fully believe that when you submit yourself to God and say, Father, will you come in? Would you Holy Spirit teach me how to be the kind of man and the leader that my family desires me to be? I believe with every ounce of my being, God will honor that. And he wants that for you. And so let me just sum up all my rambling by saying this. Some of you have been looking at other families and thinking, well, that will never be me or that will never be us. And I just want to tell you, man, God desires that for you. And he believes in you to do that. And he's equipped you through the Holy Spirit to do that really well. And so stop believing the lies of the enemy that you just can't be some kind of intentional dad that leads a great family. You can. You have what it takes. God has equipped you. He will equip you to do that. So one of the things that the the author of this Culture Code book talks about is there's some key identifiers when looking at organizations that thrive. Again, major movie corporation, Navy SEALs, championship sports teams. When you look at all of these organizations and you're seeing that they thrive, he was able to look at some key identifiers in these organizations and say, okay, uh, here's what they have. Here's some really measurable habits that these cultures have, that these organizations have that allow them to be successful. And without these, uh, oftentimes they'll fail. And so I want you to think through these when it comes through, when it comes to your family, uh, here are some key characteristics that should be said of our families that will help us have thriving families. Here are the three major ones. Number one, the people in the organization felt safe. So when you're thinking through yourself as leading this little organization that dude, frankly, it's not that little. I mean, you may have a little family right now, but zoom out for a minute. You've got a legacy that you're creating. It's about you and your kids and their kids and their kids. And that like, you're trying to create a culture that's going to live well beyond you. Like I was just talking about at the beginning of this podcast, man, we're all going to be dead soon. And, uh, and so this culture, this family legacy that we're trying to live is much bigger than just your little unit. This is something that's going to go on for hundreds of years. All right. So when you think through your organization that you're leading, the first thing, the first key measurement or identifier would be, do the people in your family feel safe? Do the, do the kids in your family, do your kids and does your wife feel safe? So that'd be number one, successful organizations. The people within those organizations always felt safe. In fact, uh, at a lot of, in a lot of these sports teams or a lot of these, uh, franchises or big corporations, a lot of them would describe their work environment as a family. And we've all been part of, you've either been right now, you may be working for a company where you're like, dude, this, this is not family at all. Like I go in, I clock in, I clock out. I'm strictly there to get my paycheck and then bail. And then others of you are working for organizations where it's like, no, dude, this is bigger than just like my, my family and a, or this is bigger than just a work and a paycheck. Like this is, there's something deeper here. I feel part of a team and we're moving towards something. And it even, you might use the word family. And that's really what this author is getting at is there's a sense of safety and belonging. And so do the people in your family, when thinking through your organization and the culture that you're trying to help set as a family leader, do the people in your family feel safe. That's the first one. The second one is the people in the organization could handle hearing hard feedback and catch this. And there were intentional environments to receive that feedback. So not only could the people in your family hear hard feedback, 
Like they could handle it. They could take it. It wasn't all just soft and roses and like butterflies. And we just say nice fluffy things to each other all the time. That's not what makes a successful organization. A successful organization is when you could say really, really hard things to each other. And then you actually create environments where people can receive that kind of feedback. So you as a leader are making sure that you have intentional environments where you and the other people in the organization, quote unquote family, uh, are actually, you have intentional environments where they can receive hard feedback. Now, if you just hear that like face value, you're like, dude, that what? <laughs> like that's, That would be really hard to just sit down. Not only am I, am I going to hear hard things from my wife or from my kids, or am I going to say hard things to my wife and my kids, but now I need to even create environments where those hard things might be said. The answer is yes, but keep in mind number one. Number one was that everyone in the, in the organization feels safe. That's foundational. First things first, everybody feels safe. And because everybody feels safe and loved and valued, now they can hear hard things because their identity is not writing on what you might say that's hard to hear. They know they're loved. They're valued. They have a place here. And so uh, tell me some hard things. That's okay. And that's really, I think, probably where the where the author makes the biggest um kind of like tie for me that that was really striking to me was the Navy SEALs. Dude, those guys literally will and have died for each other. Stepping into the hardest environments, willing to take bullets and bombs for each other. Like family doesn't even hit the surface of how those guys see each other. And yet deeply part of their culture is to tell each other, like they rip each other apart, not for fun, not to like tear each other down, but to make each other better. After every training, they're going to sit down and they're going to say everything you did wrong step by step. And they're going to hear some really hard stuff. But the foundation of all of that is at the end of the day, man, I have your back and I'm going to die for you. And so when this guy is telling me some hard things, I know that it's coming from a place that I am deeply loved and valued here. I've got a part of the team. And so again, when we're trying to you know, create a very successful environment with our team. Uh, do the people feel safe first? And then do we create environments where they can handle hearing hard things? And it's intentionally, we're intentionally saying hard things. The third thing is this, the people in the organization knew that where the organization was trying to go. And not only that, they felt a sense of personal ownership to help them get to their goal. So The people in the organization knew, like everyone was clear, this is the objective that we are trying to reach as an organization. And I'm I'm very clear on where we're trying to go. And then beyond that, uh, I feel part of helping us get there. So I'm not just watching everybody else try to get to that goal, but I'm part of this team where we're trying to get to that goal together. And I know my role here. So again, just to recap, uh, the organizations, they felt safe. They felt like the, the organization, they could handle hearing hard things and there was intentional environments to receive hard things. And then third, they knew where the organization was trying to go and they felt a sense of personal ownership to help them get there. Um, so when you're thinking through your family, are those things true, man? Like, are, would, would your kids be able to say that? Would your wife be able to say that? Um, are you leading a kind of culture? Are you setting the kind of culture and tone where those things are true. I was just thinking about this as I was putting together this episode. I was thinking, man, how many little things did we 
not get to see in the way that Jesus created a culture among his disciples, like all these little nuances um, that we just, frankly, they're, they're, they're like in between the lines. You know what I mean? Like they're in between the verses and we hear the verses and we see what Jesus was doing, but how many little things I think about things like, uh, you know, like when he got down on his disciples or when he got down on his knees and he washed his disciples feet, like little, even just the way that he humbled himself to like touch them, right? Like the same way that you would put an arm around your, your kid or when they felt scared, like you, you, you grab them or you embrace them or you hold the, their hand like this, the, these little nuances where you're, you're showing them you're safe here. Like you're in a really, really safe place. And I just think about Jesus, the ways that he probably would have grabbed them around the shoulder or when he knelt down and he washed their feet, like these little ways that he's just indicating to them you're safe. The way that he would have looked them in the eye, the disciples in the eye, and really just over and over communicating these values. You are safe here. I mean, what other place would you have felt most safe than looking into the eyes of the creator God who loves you deeply? Like, dude, that's insane. And that's the culture he probably created with his disciples of just like, you're so valued and you're so safe here. But because he created that environment, then he's able to say some really, really hard things. Um, and like the, he called Peter, <laughs> uh, he, Peter said something one time in like good intention. And Jesus was like, get behind me, Satan. Like, dude, that's a hard thing to hear. That's a really hard thing to hear from the guy that you're trying to follow and that, you know, that is leading this whole change of culture. Like you're jumping in and now he's telling you, get behind me, Satan. Like he was able to hear that and not bail, be like, you know, Jesus is way too hard on me. I'm leaving. He didn't do that. Peter stuck around because he knew how valuable Jesus thought he was. He knew that he was safe in the presence of Jesus. And so again, Jesus creates this underlying foundation of safety. And then as a result, he's able to tell him some really hard things and then able to cast vision. Peter, here's where we're going. Here's what the kingdom of God looks like. And here's your role in it. So I, it's just so beautiful how you see, like you're talking about the most successful organization in the history of the world. Jesus takes 12 guys and he changes the entire world as a result. That's a, some pretty incredible culture. And you can most definitely say that the people in that organization felt safe. They were able to hear hard things and there were environments where they heard hard feedback and they knew where the organization was trying to go. When I say organization, I mean like the kingdom of God, where they were trying to go, what they were trying to do, and they felt a personal sense of ownership. Uh, the end of Matthew, Matthew 28, go into all the world and make disciples. They knew their role in that organization and what they what they were trying to accomplish. Uh, all right, let's take a quick break here. I'm going to tell you about my friends over at Blinkist, and then I want to dive into some really, really practical stuff, what this looks like in your family. Yeah, guys, like I was saying, I just want to thank Blinkist for sponsoring today's episode. These days, it can be hard to find the time to sit down and to learn more. It's not easy uh, when the likes of social media can be super addictive and time consuming. And so you may think you just don't have time to develop yourself. That's why I highly recommend the app Blinkist. Blinkist is for anyone who cares about learning, but just doesn't have a ton of time. Blinkist takes the key ideas and insights from over 4,000 nonfiction bestsellers and more than 27 categories and gathers them into 15-minute text or audio explainers that help you understand more about the core ideas. You can use Blinks to get into a topic quickly, find new topics to grow from, 
or to figure out which books you want to spend more time reading or listening to more deeply. There are over 15 million people already using Blinkist to broaden their knowledge in all kinds of different categories, including self-improvement, personal growth, management, leadership, mindfulness, and happiness, all kinds of categories that you can look into and read some books. I often will listen to Blinkist as I'm traveling or laying in bed, want to get a couple in before I fall asleep. The most popular books that we have uh, are some of my favorite books on Blinkist are Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker, one of my favorites. When just, I love to kind of geek out on sleep. And as a tired dad, this one makes a lot of sense. And then also, Everybody Always by Bob Goff is another favorite of mine. Right now, Blinkist has a special offer just for you, our audience. If you go to Blinkist.com slash tired, you can start seven-day free trial and get 25% off a Blinkist premium membership. That's Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com slash tired to get 25% off and a seven-day free trial, Blinkist.com slash tired. All right, let's get into some uh, real nitty-gritty stuff here when thinking through how to lead your family well and uh, to set a culture where your family can thrive. Uh, so here's one thing that we do as a family in the Lopes household that has been incredibly helpful, man. I was actually going to do just a whole episode on this And then I ended up reading the culture code and the two just ended up making a ton of sense together. But I want to talk to you about uh, something that we do in our family every single week, sometimes multiple times a week. And this has just been, dude, it's it's an absolute game changer. So what we do is we hold weekly family meetings. And this is a way for our family to to accomplish all three of those things. When I was reading the book, the first thing I kept thinking about was, um, dude, we are, we are in some ways, not to like, this sounds like I'm patting myself on the back here, but I was just proud that we have created some habits in our family where we're doing those three things or we're trying to do those three things that I was just talking about earlier. We're making sure everyone feels safe. There's an intentional space where people can hear hard things. Myself, my wife, the kids, uh, can, we can all hear hard things together and say hard things to each other and love. Uh, and then we recast vision for where we're trying to go. So we hold these family meetings and we actually put together a family meeting journal. So we talk about this in our family leadership. We have a whole leadership um, uh, video training on this, um, but I just want to briefly kind of go over this with you so that you can start to do this in your family. If you want, you can actually pick up the whole journal and write this out. I think there's a year's worth of meetings, at least a half a year's worth of meetings in the journal and, and space where you can do that. So you can go to dadtire.com forward slash family meeting uh, and pick up one of the journals. Um, but if you don't want to do it, you don't need a journal to do that. It just makes it easier to kind of organize all that thought, those thoughts. Essentially, here's what it looks like. Uh, all week, we take the journal, or, and you can just put a piece of paper if that's easier for you instead of getting the journal if you don't want that. But we put a piece of paper uh, in a very central location. So in the journal, it says discussion points. And uh, there's a name and there's a date. So again, if you just, if you don't want the journal and you just want to use a piece of paper, you would put discussion points at the top, and then you put the name and the date. And so let's just, I'll give you an example here. Let's just say uh, I have a son named Elijah. He's nine. This is true. I have a son named Elijah. He's nine. And I have a daughter named Eden and she's seven. Um, So let's just say those two get into some kind of argument about something, which happens a couple times a day. They get into an argument or they have some kind of disagreement and then they can't solve it themselves, which is always our first, you know, parenting. Like, have you guys worked this out yourself? And they, they tell me they can't. They need mom or dad to intervene. And so now what we would have them do is we would have them go over to the journal, which is in for us in the kitchen usually, and they'll, they'll go into that journal 
And for you, it might be a piece of paper or it might be your own journal if you, ha- if you want to get one of these. But they'll go over there and they'll write their name. They'll put the date down and then they'll put the thing that they'd like to talk about at the next family meeting. So they may say, uh, I really want to talk about uh, Eden not sharing her stuff. Or I want to talk about the way Elijah talks to me. Uh, he was he was really rude to me today, and he's been really rude to me all day, and so I want to talk about that. Whatever they want, they can write anything down. Maybe they're mad that they think they have too many chores, or uh, they're, I'm giving them too much responsibility when it comes to their very little sister or two-year-old Ella. They can write down literally anything they want. If, they, if it's on their heart and it's something that they feel like is a big deal to them, they can write this down on this piece of paper. And so in the, in the journal, it's called discussion points and they put their name and their date and then the discussion point. And then once a week, we hold a family meeting. Uh, it, we don't necessarily do it on the same day every week, although I know some families who that's really helpful. So in the other, uh, once you flip the, the journal, I'm trying to explain this to you via audio. It's easier visually. Uh, you can see it all the way that it's laid out. If you just want to copy it or again, buy it on online, dadtire.com forward slash family meeting. But on the next page, it says family meeting. And then you put the date. And then what we'll do is we'll sit down and we'll pray. So somebody will just say an opening prayer. And we take turns in our family. Somebody each time will say a prayer. Sometimes it's me. Sometimes it's mom. Sometimes it's one of the kids. Every time somebody opens us up in prayer. And then we start the meeting with what we call shout outs. So I will say, uh, hey, this week I really noticed that Ella, our two-year-old, is becoming really independent. And she uh, tried to pour her, she got herself a cup out of the cupboard and she poured herself milk. And even though she spilled it all over the kitchen, she still did a really great job like being independent. She's learning to grow up and to take care of herself. And she's like being a helpful member of this family. And I'm really proud of her. So that would be a shout out. And that shout out would come from daddy to Ella. We have, we have places on the pieces in the journal where you can write that. And then we allow other people to give shout outs. So maybe Eden will say, hey, Elijah was super helpful this week. I actually, one of my kids uh, tried to pay another one of them for like helping out with homework. Uh, I think my son helped my daughter with some homework and she tried to pay him some of her money uh, as a thank you. And I said, you don't have to do that. Like our, we help each other. You don't have to pay him to help you. But I thought it was really generous, you know? So maybe she just says in the shout out time, uh, Eden would say, Hey, I want to shout out Elijah. He helped me this week, my homework. He didn't have to, but that really meant a lot to me that he spent some time helping me with my homework. So again, you first thing you do is you pray, somebody prays. And then the second thing you do is to spend some time just doing shout outs. Again, this is building a, a family culture where you're valued. Everybody has a place here. You're loved everybody. And we make sure we always end it with one parent. So either myself or my wife will end the shout out time to make sure everyone got shouted out. Uh, we want to make sure nobody got left out on that. So that's something we personally do as a family. If you have stricter rules and you don't want everyone to get shouted out, that's up to you. No worries there. Uh, the next page in the journal uh, and what you would do in your family meeting is what we call discussion point solutions. So again, if you're not tracking with me, I'm going to try to make it super clear here. That piece of paper or the journal stayed in your kitchen or your living room all week long and the kids were writing down problems that they want to talk about. Now you've taken that list and you're sitting down at your family meeting and now you have a list called discussion point solutions and they're numbered. And now you just start to go through that list. All right, number one, I see on Tuesday the 8th, uh, Elijah was really unhappy about uh, Eden not sharing her things. Elijah, can you explain what you meant when you wrote that down? And then he has the chance to sit down 
and to look us in the eye and to look his sister in the eye. Again, these conversations are way less heated now uh, than they were the other day when they were fighting about it. But it's a good chance for us to not push it under the rug and we can still talk about it. And so he'll start to talk about things. Um, you know, he'll, he'll start to share his experience that he had and why it frustrated him. And then we say, okay, what are some solutions that we can come up with as a family so that this problem doesn't keep um, messing with our culture or with our family dynamic or with where we're trying to go as a family? And they get to contribute to that. My daughter might say something. She might say something like, I know that I shouldn't have done that. I'm really sorry. I won't do that again. Or she may say, you're being unreasonable. Here's where I think I was right and you were wrong. Whatever it is, but they're talking about it. We're not just pushing it under the rug. We're not having a quick argument where we, mom or dad tells them just stop it. We're, we're learning as a family to say hard things to each other. And again, we're practicing with a nine-year-old, a seven-year-old, a two-year-old, and one on the way, right? And so we're talking about little stuff like sharing and homework. Eventually, these meetings will consist of much more serious things, but we will have practiced with really little kind of trivial things. And they will have learned what it looks like to talk out loud, to share the things that they're feeling, to come up with solutions on their own, or that we brainstorm together as a team or as a family what this looks like to succeed, um, and to say hard things to each other. You failed. They could say it to me. They can say, Dad, I don't like the way you treated me. I don't like the way you spoke to me. My son is straight up said, my dad, I think you were you spoke too harshly to us. Uh, and, and dude, you just have to hear it. Like, okay, uh, was I too harsh? Do I need to repent? Is this an area where I need to say I'm sorry to my kids and be repent? Do I need to have give greater explanation? Whatever it is, but the point is everyone here knows that they're valued. They have a, a role on this team and in this family, and they can say hard things and we can receive hard things. Why? Because we want to be a successful organization for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. And so we create a culture and environment where people are safe and where they can say and receive hard things. And then to end our meeting, I usually just like to recap and say, where are we trying to go? Like, here's the things we've learned. Here's some problems we had, but here's where we're trying to go as a family. We are a family that forgives because Jesus always forgives us. We are a family that pursues each other relentlessly because Jesus always pursues us. We always talk about these hard things. We forgive them and then we move on because that's what Jesus does for us. And we recast vision of what we're trying to be as a family. And then we move on with our week and we do this every week. But again, we're setting a culture. You can't just do it one time. You can't just have one conversation. It's week after week after week is what sets the culture of the family. Uh, and then uh, we end that time in prayer. Somebody somebody rotates and uh, and we'll say the prayer. So again, you don't need the journal to do that. You can do a piece of paper and just kind of write that out and that would be really helpful. We love the journal because it it kind of documents for us all the things that we uh, we've been talking about over the years and we get to see the things that we're passionate about you know, years ago. So if you want to pick one of those up, uh, dadtire.com forward slash family meeting, if that's helpful for you. <sighs> this episode went longer than I planned. I apologize. Uh, I got passionate about a lot of things here, but I love you guys, man. It's been a fun year. Uh, 2020, uh, even in the midst of all the chaos, God moved. God moved in you. I heard a lot of your stories. I met many of you at our conferences. And, uh, and uh, you know, one thing I'll just end by saying this. I had been praying the last few weeks 
God, would you just stir my kind of dreamer's heart? I really feel like God has wired me to be a dreamer and kind of cast vision um, for where people might want to go in their journey with the Lord. And the last few weeks, I've just been feeling dry, like no creativity and not really feeling like I have that. And I've just been praying, God, would you stir in me creativity? Would Would you give me dreams? Would you give me things that I can move forward to and get excited about? and to create. And uh, dude, I woke up at four o'clock this morning, bright eyed, just like wide awake out of a dead sleep. And uh, and I just, God put some really, really specific dreams on my heart and they're specific to dad tired. So I, I'm not going to tell you all of them right now because I just want to keep praying about it. And I want the Lord to keep like stirring that stuff in me. But I say that for two reasons. Number one, because maybe you need to be praying that prayer. Maybe you just need to ask God, like God would just stir some stuff in me. Would you help me? Would you give me vision for where you want me to go? And just believe God will answer your prayers, man. Be faithful in that. He wants you to step into where he's calling you to. And so just ask for clarity on that. Uh, and then the second reason I tell you that is because, man, if you believe in the Dad Tired Ministry, I can I can just assure you, we are only at the beginning. We're five years in and God has done incredible things in five years, but I I believe fully that we're just at the beginning, that God is going to do even bigger stuff through this ministry and through you guys and through this community that we have. And so if you want to be part of that, um, please help us uh, just continue to sustain. Uh, do that by going to dadtire.com forward slash give. But I love you guys so much. You can always hit me up on social media, reach out to me and uh I'd love to just continue to have these conversations with you. I love you. Have a great Christmas, a great rest of your year. I'll see you in 2021. Later.